to Sunday service. I am so glad to see all you guys here alive and beautiful, uh, as always. <laughs> Why you laugh? <laughs> all right. We got a good word for you guys today. Um, we are in a series called The Wounded Healers, right? Wounded Healers. And it's a series that's very near and dear to my heart. I've said many times because it is a series that, that, that is meant, that was created with the intentionality of really drawing you guys into a place where you recognize God's assignment, God's call for your life, and that you step into the fray, step into the battle, step into the game, and become people who minister, who care, who love for others, right? As God has saved you, as God has worked in your life, as God has begun to transform your life, the goal is that you become a life that blesses others, right? And Paul writes to this church in Corinth, and we understand that Paul is trying to tell this church, let me give you the heart of what it means to bring ministry to another person. Let me give you the heart of what it means to minister to another person. It's not religiosity. Church is not about doing stuff. Church is not just about having programs set in stone. Church is about the people of God coming together, investing in each other's lives. Blessing each other, walking with each other, right? And so today I want to start this message by sharing with you a scene from the movie, The Last Samurai. If you have never seen this movie, you must be very young, okay? <laughs> it's The Last Samurai. This one is an amazing movie, all right? Uh, in this scene, what you're going to see is you're going to see the character played by Tom Cruise. He got captured by a group of rebel samurai, all right, loyal to the emperor, but rebelling against the emperor right now because of whatever reason. And in this scene, what we're going to see is we're going to see his observation about these people, right? We're going to see his observation about the Japanese people, samurai warriors, okay? So we can roll that clip for us. Bust the sound up. He's contemplating right now. <laughs> he is uh, thinking about these people. <laughs> well, it's going to be ruined if I try to narrate this book. <laughs> All right. Roll clip again. <laughs> All right. It's, no, 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 no. <laughs> Okay, yeah, we, uh, we're good? Oh, we're good. Oh, keep going? What should I do? Oh, wait. Okay. Hey, you know, let's give some love to our tech team, man. You know how hard it is, man. You know how hard it is. Right? When, when everything goes right, nobody even knows they exist, right? But when everything goes wrong, oh, Lord. All right, how about, how about we just keep going, yeah? 
Would that be okay? Yeah, let's just keep going. You don't need to see the clip. Let me tell, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, all right? So here is Tom Cruise. He's got captured by these rebel samurai warriors, and he's, he's, he's a prisoner, but they're not really trying to kill him. And as he is engaging his life day by day, he's recognizing a pattern in their life. He's recognizing a, a, a style apart their life. And one of the, the scenes that I really love, and the, the quote that I love from this movie was this. He said, from the moment they wake, they devoted themselves to the perfection of whatever they pursued. And you see, like, scenes of them doing tea. You see scenes of them um, being a metalsmith, making uh, swords. You see a scene of them practicing archery. Everything they did, they devoted themselves to the perfection of whatever they pursued. And he said, the word samurai means servant, right? And the, the samurais believed that they were in service to the emperor, so everything they did, everything that they did, from the moment they woke up, they devoted themselves to the perfection of what they pursued in service to the emperor. Today, I want to tell you guys about Paul's heart as a healer. I want to share with you guys about his devotion to a singular task in his life. His pure, focused devotion to a singular task, everything that he fought for, everything that he endured, everything that he said and did, he devoted to the perfection of one singular task for the service of the Most High. Everything was for the purpose of Jesus. The heart of Paul that we're going to see in this passage today. And what, you're going to, what I want you guys to recognize was that everything about him, not just the moments when it was convenient for him, not just the spiritual part of him, not just every single aspect of his life was devoted for the purpose of Jesus, right? Everything for the purpose of Jesus. Now, if you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to see this. Verse 3, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. And I, want, I want you guys to see how his life plays out, how he talks about his life. And I want you guys to have a, a, a kind of a gut check for yours as we live our lives. Okay? Chapter 6, verse 3. This is Paul speaking. He says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. See, Paul knew his ministry. Paul knew what he was called to do. Paul had a focus. Paul had a task. Paul had an assignment. He knew that what he was called to do and nothing was going to get in the way of it. Paul says, I will not have anyone right, discredit what is going to be done. Now, don't be fooled by the word ministry because a lot of you guys may think of the word ministry and you might think that Paul is only referring to the locality of the pulpit or the locality of a church building or the locality of the church-related stuff or the church body. See, when Paul talks about ministry and when the church, or when the Bible is mentioning ministry, what it's really talking about is your life assignment. Your life assignment that God has for you for the purpose of Jesus, for the sake of the people. What is your life assignment? And I guarantee you it is not to die rich or retire young. What is your life assignment that God has saved you for? This is a very important question to ask. 
Because a lot of times we meander through our life and we think that we are living out our life assignment when we just simply do like, you know, church things. It is not just about this place and this body and this building. What is your life assignment? For Paul, it was preaching the gospel through mission and church planting. Everything he did, he did it for the purpose of Jesus. What is your life assignment? To preach the gospel where? To through business? Through your business? To preach the gospel through what? The medical field? Politics? Education? Your family? What is your life assignment? Am I grateful that we have leaders who serve this church? Yes. Am I grateful that we have servants who come here and do their work, blessing the community, blessing the family? Yes. But I'll tell you honestly, that probably is not your life assignment. That just means you're part of the family. And if you're part of the family, there's a need, you come and help. But what is your life assignment? Paul, Paul had a singular focus. He knew what he was called to do. And my heart today is for you guys to understand this. For you guys to ask that question to your heart. What is your life assignment by God? Right? See, God has a story. All of history is his story, right? And it's being played out in this narrative. From the very beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, God has a story. And we are part of this story. And we have to figure out where we fit into this story. Because when we understand the meta-narrative, when we understand where we fit into the story, then we begin to understand our life assignment. God, in, in the beginning, made heaven and earth. He made all things that we see and know, he made humanity, and humanity fell. But he decided that he is going to place in motion a plan to bring everything back. He brought and he raised up a nation called Israel to bring his people back. They did not do a very good job. And so years later, he brought about himself, Jesus Christ, onto earth, bringing his kingdom here and the life the, de- the life, the work, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ ushered in the age of the church. In this age of the church, we initiate the, God's kingdom to ultimately do what? To bring about the new heaven and the new earth. God has a storyline. He has a plan. We, fi- we are to find ourselves in that storyline. You guys know where we are? We are in the age of the church, the people of God, for the kingdom of God, for the work of God. We are destined and we are called to usher in his kingdom. If you call Jesus Christ your Lord, then you are destined, you are called, and your assignment is to usher in God's kingdom one step at a time, one plot of land at a time, one day at a time. You are called to usher in his kingdom in whatever capacity he has given to you. And it's not, I guarantee you, but not all of you, some of you guys maybe, the pulpit. Do not think of God's work only in the church body. You have a life assignment out there in this world that he has given to you to do something. I don't know what your life assignment is. I know one thing for a fact, though. You have one. And stop wasting your time trying to flow with the narrative of whatever this world is trying to tell you and get into the narrative of God's story. Right? If you don't believe in the narrative... 
If, if, you, if, you, if you're out there and you don't believe that there is a narrative, you believe that this moment is all there is, you believe that this is it, this is pretty much, I will make life as best as I can here in this place. Some of us, you're caught up in that. That's okay, right? And I'll tell you the truth. To some point, it feels pretty good, right? It feels pretty good to be the person who is control of your destiny, who, who, who makes your own life as it is, or who, who doesn't have a narrative to be a part of. But let me tell you the side effects. If that's you, right? If you, don't want to be, if, you, if you don't believe that there is a narrative to be a part of, let me tell you the side effects. If you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with yourself, whatever purpose, whatever purpose that you are living for, family, children, money, career, education, power, vanity, whatever your purpose is, if you're honest with yourself, realize this, without God, it's meaningless. You may feel like you have meaning, but if God is not in the picture, if he is not even real, then everything you do is meaningless. Everything you do will become utterly meaningless. And so you can play the game and you can emotionally make yourself feel like you have meaning for your life. But if you're honest to God about what's happening, you have to admit this whole thing is meaningless. There's no purpose to the pursuit of work. There's no purpose to the pursuit of love. Love doesn't even exist in this place. Right? There are side effects when you don't understand your place in the bigger story. The other side effect is what? You find yourself chasing. Isn't that true? You find yourself chasing one thing after another, thinking that if I get to this level, I'm going to be good. And you've heard, if you've been in this church, you've heard me preach about the chase all the time. Then you think you get to the one level, you think you're going to be great, and then you realize nothing is that great there, and, you, and you're like, oh, maybe if I get to this level, everything will be great. Maybe if I get this, everything will be great. Maybe if I get that, everything will be great. And you find yourself in this vicious cycle of chasing. And you're never satisfied. Maybe you get happy for a moment, but you're never fully satisfied because you're always chasing still. That's the side effect of it. My point here is this. Paul is telling us everything that he did was for the purpose of Jesus. Everything about him was for the purpose of Jesus, and he was not going to let anything get in the way of that. He shows us in the next few verses six holistic areas where he devoted himself, everything about himself, to Jesus, to the purpose of Jesus. Here's the thing. The problem here is this. In the church, or in the, just the Christendom, we've gotten to this habit. And it's a very, very horrible habit. It's an unspoken habit, but it's a habit. The habit is, I devote myself to Jesus when it's convenient to devote myself to Jesus. When, when, the, when the test is over, then I will devote myself to Jesus. When I finally get that career, then I will devote myself to Jesus. When I finally get this and this, then I will devote myself to Jesus. We devote ourselves to Jesus only when it becomes convenient for us. And what we see in Paul's life, the heart of Paul was this, is not when it's convenient it's at every moment, everything about his life, from the moment he wakes up, was the pursuit of a singular task. Everything for the purpose of 
Jesus. Check this out. Verse 4 to 5. See, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. You know what he's saying here? He puts his life, the trials he faces, his body, his physicality, every moment of his very physical being, his ups and his downs, was for what? Was for the purpose of Jesus. And no one is, he's not going to let anything get in the way of that. Not even himself. Not even beatings. Not even riots. Not even, right, these things, imprisonments, sleepless nights and hunger. He wrecked his body. He wrecked his body for what? The purpose of Jesus. I know people who wrecked their body for much less. Right? Cool? You stress your life out over your grades, over your exams. I'm not saying those things are not important here. Okay, they're important. But you stress your life out over the things. You wrecked your body for that pursuit. Your career your relationships, you wreck your body in pursuit of so much less. Paul is saying, even in my physicality, my ups, my downs, even in trials of pain and trials of hunger, every part of those moments was for the purpose of Jesus. Look at verse 6. He says this, in purity, understanding patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. Paul is saying, my heart, every relationship, these words are used for relationship, every relationship with people for the purpose of Jesus. He didn't use people for his own sake. He didn't connect to people because they made him feel good about himself. He didn't deal with people because he, they liked them. And so, you know, we do this kind of exchange of relationship. He moved into kindness, love, sincere love. He moved into caring. He moved into patience with relationship in the power of the Holy Spirit for what? When he built relationship, it was for what? The purpose of Jesus. When he met people, it was for what? The purpose of Jesus. When he was at work, tent maker, building tents, it was for what? The purpose of Jesus. When he traveled from east to west to meeting Hundreds and hundreds of people. Who was it for? What was it for? The purpose of Jesus. His relationships was for the purpose of Jesus, guys. You guys get what I'm saying here? I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to paint a picture for you. And the picture I'm trying to paint for you is that every part of your life, not when it's convenient for you, not when it suits your, 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 your fancy, not when it's good for you, but every part of your life, the moment you have called Jesus your Lord and Savior, every part of your life is meant to be in pursuit for the purpose of Jesus. Look at verse uh, 7a. This is what he says. He says, in truthful speech and in the power of God, we see his body wrecked for the purpose of Jesus. We see relationship that he builds for the purpose of Jesus. We see the words he speaks. It's for the purpose of Jesus. He didn't waste his words. He didn't waste his words on social media. He didn't waste his words on doing... He spoke and everything he talked about, it was intentional. It was specific. It was for what? To bring people to Jesus. See, the, the thing is this. 
He was not ashamed of the truth. He was not ashamed of the good news. He saw it as good news. He saw it as real good news. He was not ashamed of the gospel. And everyone he met, every word he used, everything that came out of his mouth was intentional, it was specific, it was meant to bring people to Jesus. How often do we waste our words, guys? How often do we waste our conversations, guys? How often do we meet people and in those moments and trying to just be friendly, we waste moments. You see, if you're a Christian, you believe this. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. If you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin because you, you, We're separated from a holy God. Your sin brought separation between you and the most high God forever. And there was no bridging this gap. And the only destiny for your life was hell itself. If you understand this, that Jesus Christ came, took your place, took that sin, and gave you his righteousness. If you understand that in Jesus there is life. And you do not speak of it. Do you know how evil you are? It is morally wrong. It is, is, I think, almost on par with killing somebody. If you know that this is the truth, if you know that this is what can save people, and you do not speak of it, that is evil. Unbelievably evil. Before I came, uh, before uh, we had service, uh, one of the ladies in our church she came to me, and she's really stressed out. She's, like, so stressed out right now. She said, I, I thought I had a tumor. I went to the hospital because I thought I had a tumor because I was so stressed out, right? And I was like, okay, well, so why, why are you stressed? And she shared about her, her, her nephew, mid-20s, right? He has a tumor, and he's actually dying. You don't know how many months he has left. He's actually dying, and he's a Mormon. And she said, I'm going to go there this week or next week. I said, to see him? He's like, no, to preach to him. I was like, but, you know, Mormons, almost there, right? And she said, no. I'm going to preach. That's my job. That's my job. When I, when I heard that and I was thinking about it, I said, man, what a woman. That's a woman, right? Oh, my Lord, that's a woman, you know? Even knowing that death was at the door, her stress, what stressed her was the potential or the re- was the reality that her nephew might be in hell. And it freaked her out. And what does she do when she's freaked out? Does she keep quiet and hope for the best? No. She goes and going to preach the gospel. Do you guys understand this? Every part of Paul's life was to preach the gospel. Do you even, hold on for a second. Do you know why we do Spread Love, Not Fear campaign? I'm thinking a lot of you guys thinking, oh, it's just something silly that PT came up with or the vision team came up with because we're just bored with our lives, right? You know, vision, you know if you don't do anything, then we, why should I have a vision team for it? So let's come up with a program. That's not why we did Spread Love, Not Fear campaign because our vision team, our leaders, they pray for your spiritual health. They pray for the spiritual health of our church. And what, one of the things that they recognized was there is a lack of willingness to speak this good news, there was a lack of willingness to share this message. And so we thought maybe 
Maybe it's not a lack of willingness. Maybe they just weren't equipped for it. And so we, did, we, we made a campaign. If you guys were part of it, you are a part of it, you know it's a step-by-step process. We could not have dissected it any lower for you guys. To get to the point where you would actually share the message of Jesus to somebody. Not just with your mind, not just with your heart, not just with your service, but your lips. That you would share the message of the good news. This is not about religion here. This is about you telling us that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and if your lips do not preach this message, I have to really ask the question, is this really good news to you? Is it really good news to you? Paul, everything about Paul, for the sake of Jesus, for the purpose of Jesus, his body, his heart, and his relationship, his words. Look at verse 7b. His weapons. He says this. With weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left hand. Right? Weapons of righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus. His character. His character. He, 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 he sought for the, for the molding of his character that it would be for the purpose of Jesus. Righteousness from the right into, from righteousness in the right hand and in the left. And you know what that means? It means that he sought righteousness in his heart. Not that he is already declared righteous because of Jesus. He sought to live that righteousness out. He sought to, he sought to grow into that righteousness, into the reality of that. What does that mean? How do we do that? It's building our character through the word of God. Your salt groups. If you're a salt leader, I pray that it's not just about, hey, guys, how you doing, you know? Let me keep you accountable. That's important. That's part of there. But I pray if you're a salt leader that you are preaching and teaching the Bible to your salt student, to your salt team, right? Small groups exist to teach this word. Sunday service, devils, you build your character through the word. Paul is saying with a righteousness from the right hand and to the left hand. His character, his character was for the purpose of God, for the purpose of Jesus, building his character through faith. It means not just talking about it, but actually doing something about it. How many times, Christians, do we have this problem that we know everything? We have it up here, right? We may even feel it in here. But when it comes time to actually act it out, to live it out, there's no faith. There's only excuses. There's only fear that drives us. Building our character through prayer. The word of God speaking to our hearts. Faith and living that, that truth out. Character living that truth out. And the, and the prayer of communing with our God. A character of having a relationship with God. Speaking to God. If I don't speak to my wife. For a day, you know what's the one thing she always says to me at nighttime? Hello, roommate. It's nice to see you again. Honey, I'm not your roommate. Seems like it. You didn't speak to me all day. I don't know. I saw you online. I saw that little green dot on your face, right? You were obviously on Messenger. Why didn't you message me? I'm like, baby, come on. I was busy, right? She's like, oh, yeah, roommate. Don't baby me, right? See, if there's, if there's no relationship, if there's no communication, do you really have a relationship? 
Is there really a relationship here? Paul is saying not just his mind, not just his body, not just his words, not just his character. All these things is built. Everything he is, mind, body, soul, strength, physical, everything for the purpose of Jesus. And last, look at verse 8. Look at this. He says, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report. You know what this is? It's his reputation. He staked his reputation for the purpose of Jesus. Whether people thought well of him or they reported nasty things about him, it did not matter. So many times we get so scared of what people will think of us, how people will view us, how people would judge us, how, how people will label us. And so in, in, in the desire to save our reputation, we remain silent, stagnant still. Paul is saying, my body, my relationship, my words, my character, my reputation, everything I am for the sake and the purpose of Jesus, not when it's convenient for me. Not when it suits my fancy, not when I say I have more time. Or I finally overcome my problems. Or I finally got through this job or this class in this school. See, your Christian life is not meant to be used as a convenience to serve Jesus. Your Christian life is not meant to be a convenience for Christ. Let me tell you guys something. As your pastor, I've always preached this. And you know this, that the struggle is real. There's real struggles. We live in a world that has lots of struggles. And it's real. So this message is not by any means downgrading personal struggles and personal battles that you have that keeps you from giving your heart and everything to Jesus. I'm not, I'm not downgrading that. But what I am saying is this. Is there even a struggle? Is there even a struggle in your life for it? Be honest. Check your heart. Do you even have a struggle before God when it comes to your life? When it comes to your character, when it comes to your mind, when it comes to your relationship, when it comes to your, uh, um, your reputation. Is there even a struggle to say, I want this for Jesus? I want this for, is, is there even a struggle? Check your heart. If you find in yourself there is not even an ounce of struggle, repent, church. We need to repent. Repent, why? Repent so that the struggle will come back. You see, the reason why I am okay with the struggle, because if you struggle, that means there is repentance and there is forward movement. And if there is movement, there is growth. And if there is growth, you will see yourself moving towards Jesus. It stops. And all of a sudden, your heart decides in its own personal convenience that I'm going to focus on everything else but the one who saved me. The heart of Paul was everything for the purpose of Jesus. His mind, his words, the relationship that he builds, his reputation, his character. He built those things, not by his own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit working in him he built those things for the sake 
of Jesus. How could he do this, BT? How could we do this? I mean, it's, it's one thing to say, you know, I'll, I'll struggle here in, you know, in, in sharing the message because I don't know enough, okay? It's another thing to say, you know, I'm struggling with my character. I have problems that I got to deal with, some inner battles. All right. Right? I, it's one thing to say, you know what, I, I, I struggle with just uh, relationships. I, don't, I mean, I get kind of nervous when I'm with people. I, I have a, I'm not a public speaker. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't really like pain, so I don't want to, like, put myself out there too much. I don't want to be inconvenienced in my life. How did Paul give everything for the sake of Jesus? How did Paul give everything for the purpose of Jesus? How can we give everything for the purpose of Jesus? You know why? Because the object of his purpose was Jesus. The object of why he was doing what he was doing is Jesus. Look at what he says here. Man, this is such such a beautiful phrasing he used. Verse 9. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Known, yet regarded as unknown. So everyone in the world, who's this guy, who's this Paul, whatever. But in Paul's mind is what? I am known. I have an identity. I am not some trash on the side. I am not some loser. I am not some has-been. I am known. I am the son of a living God. I reign and co-heir with Christ himself. I am known by my father. He has an identity because of Jesus. That's how he's able to give everything. Look at this. What else does he say? Dying and yet we live on. He is alive. He recognizes that he is alive because of Jesus. He knows that even if death comes looking for him, If death comes knocking on his door, it will be swallowed up by the life that Jesus has given to him. That was his assurance. That was his strength. He knew that he had an identity in Christ. He knew that death itself cannot swallow him up. He knew that verse. Keep going. He says, beaten and yet not killed. He endures because why? Jesus. He he, he, he recognizes himself all the pain that I've gone through, all the struggles that I have, all the stress that I'm feeling. If my Lord will take the cross for me. If my Lord will take the cross for me and endure the agony of separation from the Father for me, I can endure this moment for him. See, his singular purpose was the object of his faith. It was Jesus Christ. It wasn't the church. It wasn't in doing things for the church. It wasn't about being a good person. He said, I am able to give everything. I count all things as lost. I count everything as a loss in comparison to knowing Jesus. He has, keep going, he has what? Um, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, verse 10. He has peace because of Jesus. How is he able to give everything? He has a real peace, always rejoicing. That does not mean, that does not mean, check that. It does not mean that he's always happy and giddy. It means that he has peace in the midst of everything. There's a a silent joy that he recognized. You know why that joy is there? You know why that peace comes? Peace comes when we see that there's a storm that we all deserve. Peace comes when we recognize the storm of God's wrath, death itself, for the sins of falling short of his glory. 
peace comes when we know that Jesus Christ was willing to throw himself in front of that storm for you. To take up that storm between you and the wrath of God. That he threw himself between that storm for you. That he would be consumed by it so you can be saved. Peace comes when Jesus was abandoned on the cross, feeling the full weight so that you can go free. He took the suffering so that you will know that when you are suffering, it can't be because he does not care for you. He was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Why? Because he knew that he belonged to God. And God is one. And when you know that, you can weather any storm. You can weather any defeat. You can weather any pain. You can weather any ups and any downs. He has what? Poor, yet many, making many rich. He has purpose because of Jesus. In Jesus, he's not wandering aimlessly, trying to figure out what to do with my life. In Jesus, he has a purpose. In Jesus, he has a goal. In Jesus, he was given an assignment. It is to make many rich. It is to bring the lost children back to God. It is, it is, so that the lamb may receive the reward of his suffering. And lastly, check this out. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. How could Paul give everything of his life for the purpose of Jesus? How could Paul wake up every moment devoting his life to the perfection of bringing people to Jesus? Everything for the sake of Jesus. How? Because the object of his faith was Jesus. The one who gives him identity, the one who gives him endurance, the one who brings him life, the one who has given him true peace, the one who has given him purpose, and the one who has secured his place. See, he recognized who cares about being loved when I know that I have the love of King. It's okay if I didn't get that promotion. When I'm a son of an emperor. It is okay if I finish second or even last. Because I sit with Christ at the right hand of God. See, Paul understood this. He understood the wealth, the beauty, and the worthiness of Jesus. And because he saw the worthiness of Jesus, he counted everything as a loss. He counted everything as a loss. He recognized that in Christ, he is set. He is secured. There is no losing it. He cannot, it's not about earning it anymore. He is set. And so his life, one purpose, everything for the purpose of Jesus. My prayer, guys, church, is that in the generation, in the time that we are living now, when we are being dragged left and right, everywhere, that you would do a huge gut check, that you would do a huge gut check in your heart. What am I doing with my life? What is the assignment of your life? Start asking it. He's like, the worst thing you can do is just sit there and wait for it to kind of just land on you, hoping that it would land on you. Think something that's somehow like, boom, here it is. 
but that you begin to ask it. God, what is the assignment that you have for my life? I know it's to preach the gospel, but in what capacity? Who is it that I'm supposed to turn to? Who is it that's calling, that you're calling me for? What is it that I'm supposed to do? What is my assignment? And let me give my everything for that purpose. It is not church. Family, your assignment in life is not get married, have kids, retire, die. That is not your assignment. That might be a product of your assignment. Your assignment, everything about it, for the sake of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray.